Thinking Aloud, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. This is part two of our two-part series comparing remote viewing with clairvoyant reading. My guest, Deborah Lynn Katz, is an expert in both of these disciplines these parapsychological disciplines. She is the director of the International School of Clairvoyance and author of three books including You Are Psychic, Extraordinary Psychic, and Freeing the Genie Within. She is also the two-time winner of the Warcolier Award given by the International Remote Viewing Association for an Outstanding Research Proposal. So she is a remote viewer, a psychic reader, and a researcher. Welcome again, Deborah. Thank you. Great to be back. It's a pleasure to be with you and to be able to converse across these different domains yes. with you. You know, uh, at the end of our previous interview, you were describing how sometimes when you're doing remote viewing, such as trying to find a missing person, you would employ one of the techniques you learned as a clairvoyant reader in order to sort of separate yourself from the the problem in, involved and I can see that that is really important because well after all there can be so much pain and suffering in the world as as a psychic if you open yourself up to it it would be overwhelming yes definitely and that's why a lot of people don't last too long in these fields whether as a clairvoyant reader or a remote viewer and a lot of times they don't really understand what's happening to them they just know that suddenly they just don't want to do the work anymore or every time they go to do it they fall asleep or get tired or a headache um, others are aware that it's just too emotionally draining mm -hmm. and that wouldn't be the case if they were really being if they knew the techniques to help separate mm -hmm. and there's some preparation techniques and then things you can do afterwards and just recognizing when you're when you're still caught up in it that that's a big part because people can be caught up in what they were looking at for days or weeks sometimes and, and not realize it they just don't mm -hmm. feel right not realizing that a part of themselves is still dialed in Mm -hmm. You know, in my early academic career, I got a master's degree in criminology, and then I made a decision to switch from studying the negative side of human deviance to looking at the positive side of human deviance, mainly parapsychological functioning. But part of that was I didn't like all the negativity associated with studying psychopathology and crime. Uh, yeah. and, and yet I know in the psychic realm there are people who specialize in that. Uh, yes. In fact, I was, you may not know this, but I was a former federal probation officer for mm -hmm. three years. Mm -hmm. And at the same time I was um, basically learning how to be a probation officer on the job. I had just yeah. gotten my master's degree in social work with an emphasis in criminology, but I was just thrown into this federal job and um, it, it was very, very stressful. And that mm -hmm. was around the time I started to do meditation classes I and see. explore my psychic abilities. But I got to the point too where I just said, I don't really want to be in this negativity and also in this controlling position. Mm -hmm. As a probation officer, you're you're making all these decisions about people's lives and and while in some ways some people have to to protect society, uh, I was just like, I, I don't need to be coming mm -hmm. at it from this way. You I had would, a higher calling, obviously. Right, or right. Or a different calling. 
And I didn't know what that was, and it was very, I, I basically one day just said, I can't do this anymore, and left my job, and mm -hmm. you know, with no money or anything. But I just knew that there was, I needed to make a change somehow. And um, I, I still, while I, I do occasionally missing person cases, that's not something I wanna be doing all the time. Mm -hmm. That's why sometimes I, I, I do a lot of, um, where I'm working in research projects as a subject, or mm -hmm. I, I'm using remote viewing for, um, purposes of, of um, helping people make wagers, mm -hmm. um, making future predictions for, for wagering and financial um, gain too. And a lot of that just involves describing photographs. Mm -hmm. And there's not too much emotional about a photograph. It's just something fun. And yeah. so I, I really like to do that a well, lot. Well, we ought to mention you're very actively involved in the uh, Applied Precognition Project. You, in fact, if I recall, you are the webmaster for the yeah, their website. Yes. And uh, you specialize, therefore, in the technique known as associative remote viewing, which is a very unique technique used in remote viewing. I don't think there's anything comparable in, uh, that psychic readers would do, is there? Well, psychic readers, if they wanted to use their abilities to um, to make money or to gamble, they may say, let, let's say for the horse races, mm -hmm. they may just tune in and see if they can get uh, um, the name or a symbol for the name of the winning horse, mm -hmm. or they might tune into the color of the jockey, what, mm -hmm. what clothes the jockey's wearing. Uh, so that's how they would do it. But that only goes so, f so far. You can't do that over and over again because you start to know the horse names and uh, maybe you're not good at hearing names. So really, at, uh, back to the uh, Stanford Research Institute, Russell mm -hmm. Targ, um, Stefan Schwartz, who is working with Russell Targ a couple decades ago, they came up with the concept of associative remote viewing. And, and basically the idea is that you, for whatever uh, event you have, there's different outcomes. So say for horse racing, um, there's gonna be a winner uh, and there's gonna be different horses. So instead of looking directly at the horses, you associate a picture with each horse. And mm -hmm. then what the viewers, the psychics, but they're not calling them psychics, they're calling them remote viewers. What they have to do is describe the photo that has been associated with the particular horse. Mm -hmm. So it might be a photo of a mountain top and a photo of a person swimming in the ocean. Yeah. And so then- and the reason they don't try to find, see the horse directly is to avoid the intellect again. Right, because there's only so much, you know, that maybe the viewer gets a picture of a horse, you know, or maybe they get, they might get a, a, a color or something, mm -hmm. but but if the, they want to do this over and over, mm -hmm. that works fine a couple times, but if you're doing this on a weekly basis, yeah. you know, people are going to get famili too familiar, and there's only so, so much they could look at, but if they can focus on a photo that's associated with the horse, you know, there there's hundreds, thousands of and different the, and photos. And we should say that association is totally arbitrary. It's determined by a researcher using a random process. Uh, but the point is that after the horse race, you're going to get feedback about that particular picture. And so you're really trying to focus on what are they going to give me uh, feedback on in the future. It's a precognitive phenomenon. Yes, it's there. there's two points in time. There's a point where the 
the viewer tunes into the photo they're going to see in the future. And what determines the which photo is the outcome. So if horse A is the winner, then they're going to be seeing mm -hmm. the photo that's attached to horse A. So they can describe the photo. And meanwhile, the researchers take their session and they say, oh, it sounds like they're describing a mountain over here. So it must be, and if that's what they're going to be shown in the future, that must mean what, what they're talking about right now. And that allows them to go and make a prediction and wager on it. Based on the uh, association that that was arbitrarily made but is going to hold true so right and mm -hmm. and that process is a is called associative remote viewing I know it's very complex and is people get confused over and over again when you try and describe it, it to it, them it is it's very confusing even for those of us who've been doing it for years we'll mm -hmm. get confused ourselves yeah but uh, it's been shown to work and has been used in uh, uh, investing in the futures market and in the stock market and in wagering yes. uh, uh, in Las Vegas on various athletic events and so on. And with the group that I'm working with that really in involves over a hundred different viewers, the Applied Precognition Project, um, right now some of the projects are at a 78% success rate, mm -hmm. um, meaning that you know 78% of what they have um, uh, called uh, has has come true. Mm -hmm. it's, they call it a hit Well rate. above chance. Yes, way, way above chance. We're typically you expect about a 50% hit rate by chance alone. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know that, and, and people have been working very diligently to get that hit rate up yeah. and to, um, and uh, with any parapsychology research, as, as you know, the the challenge is when you have strong results is to keep those results going over time and mm -hmm. a lot of times there's a decline effect yeah. um, whether the viewers get tired or maybe they're exposed to too many photos or there there's so many variables that still aren't understood mm -hmm. so there there's a lot to still work out in that area and uh, you also employ in the applied precognition project the uh, multiple vote principle where if you combine the results of uh, many people, as you say, up to a hundred uh, in some instances, uh, then uh, you actually mathematically can uh, improve the uh, overall score better than uh, single individuals would do. Well, you know, that's that's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, it really hasn't been determined if mm -hmm. having more viewers helps. Now, yeah. I think in in some cases it does, mm -hmm. but in one instance, I know of a case where the, a group of viewers, say eight to 10 viewers, there's mm -hmm. one viewer who consistently does a fantastic job viewing the wrong photo. Mm -hmm. And his sessions have been so stunning for the, the, the wrong photo that's not the photo that's going to be attached to the... That's known as displacement in yes. the, amongst parapsychologists. Yes, mm -hmm. and that's a, a problem in associative remote viewing and, and all of parapsychology yes. research. And it really has, it, it's something that has to be looked at closely but because a lot of times if results aren't so good, um, there's the inclination to say, oh, well, no psychic functioning 
something was happening. Yeah. But really what's going on is it was misplaced. The viewer does a good job describing the wrong thing. And so in this um, one um, case that I, I'm helping a researcher deal with, uh, he's asking the question, well, we had this one viewer and he consistently described the wrong photo and what that does is it skews the results. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, how to work that out. And uh, one of the things that our group, the Applied Precognition Project, is working on is looking for viewers who are not only good at describing any photo, but describing the right one, mm -hmm. and those who have less uh, chance of dis displacement. Yeah. So sometimes it's almost, I think, better just to have one viewer or just a couple mm -hmm. that are experienced. That's the other thing, is that while anyone can do this, I think across the board in, in many parapsychology studies, they're finding that the more experienced mm -hmm. viewers do tend to to do better than yeah. the brand new people over it, time. It's a paradox because uh, I do know mathematically speaking, if, if you could say that a, a particular viewer, let's say 10 viewers are all accurate at the 55% level, if you use a multiple vote amongst those 10 viewers, uh, you can mathematically ascertain that the multiple vote or the majority vote of, of those viewers will be accurate at a, a better level than 55%, maybe 70%. But now, let me get back to the problem of displacement that you brought up. How about when you're doing a psychic reading on somebody? Displacement seems to be a big problem in parapsychology research. Mm -hmm. Does it show up uh, in psychic readings? De definitely. Uh, there, one of the things I learned early on is that it is very easy to tune into a person's desires and mm. their fantasies as yeah. opposed to what the truth is. Mm. And I learned that when a woman was asking about a future relationship and uh, who, who she was going to meet in the future, and I started to describe this person that, I mean, he was like the most, you know, fantastic <laughs> person you yeah. could ever imagine. I was like, gosh, I want to meet this guy. Where can I find him? And that, and, but something wasn't matching up because this woman had a lot of issues and something wasn't matching up with the picture of him mm -hmm. versus her. In fact, I think he, he was like 20 years younger than her. And suddenly I realized, wait a second, this this is her fantasy. The, and, yeah. you know, she was so happy with what I was telling her, but I had to stop and say, okay, you know, what's the truth? And the truth of the matter was, when I re-looked at it, I didn't see anyone coming in until she worked on all her issues. Mm -hmm. And she did not want to hear about that. So yeah. that was part of what sent my attention over into her fantasy. Because mm -hmm. she really wasn't psychologically open to exploring the things she needed to shift. Would do you ever displace to a completely different person in a psychic reading? Well, that has happened when when I first started to do readings professionally. I lived mm -hmm. in Sedona, Arizona, and I worked out of a bookstore. And occasionally, people would come in with their friends or their spouses. Yeah. And that person, if that person was sitting next to them or in the back of the room, I would sometimes tune into them. Mm -hmm. If if they um, sometimes it's a it's what's the strongest. So if the person has a louder personality or they're really wanting to know something or they're kind of pushy, uh, then my attention would go to them. So uh, now I have a rule that I, I won't let anyone else in, in the room, which is a good practice because you never know what's going to mm -hmm. come up. And a lot of times that person needs to know about that person that, mm -hmm. you know, they, they just can set boundaries with the person and say, don't come in here with yeah. me. Mm -hmm. So you really, you really have to set boundaries for yourself and, 
and um, understand where you can go wrong and where you tend to go wrong and mm -hmm. there's always room for error there there's no psychic practice where there's not going to be times where you're off where you have error where uh, misinterpreting things having mm -hmm. your own stuff come in as you know whether it's clairvoyant reading or remote viewer projecting things into the into the scene mm -hmm. uh, that that's all about training and practice and getting better at that but it's you know not no one's perfect at it so it's it's as if there's a signal to noise issue whether you're doing psychic readings or remote viewing and what Absolutely. you're saying is is that that's where training is especially useful is helping people to distinguish yes and with reading people it's almost more challenging because that noise is not just coming from the 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 psychic or the healer it's coming from the person you're reading mm -hmm. so if I was reading you and you're very anxious or you're not believing that I can do this or you want me to see some things but not other things mm -hmm. I'm gonna be hitting all of that in addition to the information that I want to get I'm gonna be feeling it mm -hmm. I might feel your anxiety your, your confusion I'm gonna be more confused as opposed to someone I'm reading that's just you know totally open they're in a, in a great space um, they're they're really wanting to hear everything that's mm -hmm. gonna make a difference so mm -hmm. It it does get really challenging. You're anytime you deal with people, you know, as a psychologist, mm -hmm. you know, it's sometimes just easier to just read a book than talk <laughs> to a person. You know. <laughs> well, I have to say, I enjoy interviewing people much more than doing psychotherapy with with them. Uh, so let's talk a little more now about on the on the other side on remote viewing. When you're given a target, it's often you're just given a number. This is target number 765321, for example. But that target, for all you know, could be very emotionally laden, even, even though yes. you don't know anything about it. And really, uh, when that is very possible, and at least if that's going to be the case, a lot of project managers, especially responsible ones, will at least let you know there could be something here that could be disturbing. Mm -hmm. Now again, that serves as front-loading, but for the manager, um, if it's not a scientific project, you know, they may make the decision, and it's really the responsible thing to do to let the viewers know there could be something here. Now, mm -hmm. now for more experienced viewers, or who, if they already know, they tend to work on those kinds of cases they don't have to tell them but the other thing is that it really for for viewer or psychic it, it takes you have to be you have to be brave and you also have to have the attitude that I can deal with anything and mm -hmm. you know even if I had an emotion or I feel afraid you have to be able to step back and say okay I'm afraid I'm you know whatever is going on I understand it's part of this and I can deal with it there's a lot of people that are you know, it's the difference between someone falls down and hurts themselves and then they're going to whine about it for an hour versus mm -hmm. someone that keeps going. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of personality factors that enter into both these practices that make it so, it's, uh, so that people can be successful but also continue in this. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's, you know, so sensitive that, you know, they get upset because they had a remote viewing target that was upsetting, you know, it's the it's the emotion in reaction to the emotion or the mm -hmm. experience. And people need to be able to get over it. it. You know, in the same way if if I was reading you and you were really angry or you gave me a hard time, that might 
bother me, but okay, so what? I'm going to get over it. Other people, mm -hmm. you know, may be just shattered. Mm -hmm. So personality characteristics of who's doing this um, makes a difference. Mm -hmm. One of the big characteristics that I've found is um, confidence level. My students that um, have the hardest time um, developing their abilities or doing sessions are the people that in life are the least confident. And I could uh -huh. pretty much tell just, you know, someone who is just can just jump into things and, and they have no problem communicating with other people, mm -hmm. they're going to do terrific. Yeah. But if I have someone who's very timid and, and they're not comfortable with mm -hmm. dealing with other people, at least in the realm of um, clairvoyant reading, they're going to have a much harder time. It's almost like you can only see what you can deal with and what you can communicate. So, so if there's something too psychologically intense, even, even people that have a strong confidence level, if it's too psychically Psychologically yep. intense, we have protective factors. You could call them our psychological defense mechanisms mm -hmm. that really work right for us and keep us from being able to, to see what's going to be mm -hmm. disturbing. Mm -hmm. There's a built-in protective factor, which which is really helpful. Yeah. But some people have that too much, and so if there's anything that's remotely disturbing for them, or say there's a personal issue, like I had a student where he really needed to, he, he was a, a bill collector, uh, he, a collections officer, and um, he really needed to get out of that field. It wasn't right for him. Mm -hmm. So whenever he had to read someone and it was about their career, he would freeze up and he wouldn't see anything and he'd be sitting there like, I, I can't get anything. Mm -hmm. And it was because if he saw it in them, you know, that they needed to make changes. you have to, to deal changes. with his issue. Right. Yeah. So if you can't deal with your own issues, mm -hmm. you're going to be blocked and you'll just, you'll just feel like, oh, yeah. I'm not getting anything. And it's kind of the same thing with with remote viewing. If viewers are tasked with something so disturbing, many of them will just totally skip over it. And that's where displacement can happen mm -hmm. too. They'll they'll go on to the target they're going to be assigned the next day. Mm -hmm. Or they'll just go off to some place and you have no idea why they went there, but it protected them. And, mm -hmm. and that's really a good thing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the social stigma surrounding both psychic readers and mm -hmm. remote viewers. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, there's a significant portion of the population, probably a, a, a significant minority in both cases, who think that this is all BS. Yes, absolutely. And, and there's not a whole lot we could do about that except mm -hmm. to educate them. And, and, you know, some will respect it if they see that it's being done in a scientific manner. Uh, but even there, as you know, there's a large portion of people that just see this as BS. But you know what I'm starting to realize? Mm -hmm. That it, it's not even so much those uh, that mindset that's the issue, but the mindset of people who are coming from religious mm -hmm. uh, religious backgrounds where they're taught so many false things about these subject matters. Mm -hmm. And it's really pretty insane because what are you doing when you pray to God or when you think about Jesus uh, or you know you ask Jesus for help? Mm -hmm. You're involved with the spirit. You're doing telepathy, mind-to-mind mm -hmm. -mind communication. Mm -hmm. You're asking for intervention, which mm -hmm. you could think of as psychokinesis. Within a strictly prescribed realm that uh, is given to you by your religious institution. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it, they're doing the same things, but it's within a different context. Yeah. It's with uh, mm -hmm. they're called different things. There's restrictions, mm -hmm. and there in, in these religions, there's so much fear around these topics. Yeah. And I, I understand I understand why that is, but um, that you know how many people attend 
um, church on on Sundays, millions, even single churches. You yeah. sometimes get 10,000 10, people yes, on a single do. Sunday. Mm -hmm. How many people were at the last Parapsychology Association conference? A few hundred. A, a few yeah. hundred at the most. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and this is where the critical thinking is done and where if people go to these conferences and mm -hmm. if they read the literature, they're going to see how many thoughtful people are are doing very careful research mm -hmm. and you know so much of it uh, I mean I know the word ignorance isn't a very nice word but but that's what it is and you know I tell my students when when they get upset when people say like oh why are you wasting your time and you know your money on this mm -hmm. um, you know they get upset with those people and I say well you know those people they're they just need to be educated you're getting educated and they just don't know that they're not educated you know that that's the thing it's mm -hmm. like they just think that um they don't realize that if they just put some more study mm -hmm. into it how many times have people said to you well there's no proof of any of this stuff and well, of course they're they're ignorant but they've been educated uh, to believe that uh, it's either the work of the devil or that there isn't quote a shred of evidence even though there's 150 years worth of accumulated evidence right there's thousands of studies yes. you know, where there's statistical significance if not way higher but mm -hmm. have they read those studies Very very few people no. read read the studies. So those people uh, are particularly ignorant, but they've been taught that. There are teachers who, who, who tell them and who repeat it, and I can say in the, in the universities, that's the mainstream view in academia, I know, because I have a doctoral degree in parapsychology. I got it over 30 years ago at the University of California at Berkeley, and no one in the world has subsequently received a doctoral diploma in parapsychology. It's a, it's a taboo topic. Yeah, and it's so sad because I, I know a lot of people that would love to get de degrees in that, and, mm -hmm. and they ask, where can I study? And there's really only a couple places in the whole world where you cannot, that you can't even get a, a PhD in parapsychology, but you there's a couple places where you could study with other professors. Yes but not not a whole lot and there needs to be much more and and I think Deborah Lynn Katz the work that you're doing is is going in the conversations that we're having like this one hopefully will help to create that world someday where there'll be many more opportunities for people to explore these subjects yeah I, I, I hope so and I, I think that people that are interested in these subjects the the psychics the remote viewers they really need help to learn how to conduct their their work and their projects in a more scientific manner you know so there is more people doing people that I think it's so important to have people that are doing this work also doing the research mm -hmm. because we're as Jessica Utz um, has, has the, said in one of her papers yes yes Jessica is now the president of, of the statistics American Statistical Association yeah and and one thing that she said years ago um, when she assessed the the programs the military programs mm -hmm. and the programs at SRI was that there's so much evidence that we really need to move beyond proving that psychic abilities are real and instead go into looking at uh, how, how can we understand them and improve them. She made those statements well, well over a decade ago and really were at the, when, when you have to keep proving the same thing over and over mm -hmm. again, what it does is it does keep you from looking at those minute details, you know, yeah. understanding why in a group of 10 people will one viewer consistently uh, 
describe the wrong yeah. the wrong photo mm -hmm. you know or why uh, why is it easier to um, you know do one thing over another we, we need to understand all of mm -hmm. this and also the way that subjects or studies are crafted um, if, if you're doing a study to prove psychic functioning as opposed to understanding it your, your methodology is going to be different but it mm -hmm. almost seems like every study we do there's still that element like oh you have to prove it in addition to the it's the age in which we live I guess yeah Mm -hmm. It's a sad comment, but Deborah Lynn Katz, I'm so happy to have had these two half hours with you. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being with us.